You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word.
Jesus saves, Jesus saves, are the saints who shout together, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, rising up so vast and strong, lifting up salvation song, the redeemed will sing forever, Jesus saves, rising up so vast and strong, lifting up salvation song, the redeemed will sing forever. Amen. As we turn our attention to the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 2, we will dismiss the kiddos for a brief children's church. Y'all go aggravate Brian a little bit. Ephesians 2, we continue our soevers of the Scripture. Looking a couple of weeks ago at the whosoevers, man, I thought a lot about that. So blessed to be a whosoever, aren't you? Amen. Amen. I'm glad a few of you are. Last week looking at the subject of whatsoever, that is whatever God calls us to do. It's all kinds of different things, but he does call us all to do whatsoever. This week, looking at the whysoevers of Scripture, the whysoevers. Every Sunday, I, I come up here, and, and I stand, and I look out, and I see people as they come in, and always wonder, why are, why are they here? Why are you here? Are you here just checking off a box? Are you here just somehow easing your, your conscience? Are you here because you enjoy my preaching? Are you here because you enjoy... I was hoping I'd get an amen or two, but anyway, um, I waited. And notice I gave you a little time. Um, are you here because you enjoy the, the, you know, the singing? Many people shop for a church like they shop for a restaurant. They find one they really like, and then they keep going back, right? Why are you here? Why do you come back on Sunday nights? Why do you volunteer to serve in the nursery? Why do, you, why do you sign up to be on a committee? Why do you agree to go all over the world on mission trips? Why? 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 My prayer is that we find that in Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. I serve because I'm saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I don't serve so I can brag on it and tell everybody about it. Verse 10, our key verse. We serve. Why? Because we are His workmanship, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We've been created to serve, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, we serve because we believe that it is God's plan for us. I come to church because I believe it is God's desire for me to worship Him. And I am following in obedience and allegiance to Him. I serve God for these reasons and these reasons alone. The whysoevers of Scripture simply take a, a quick look. And I want to give this to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16. A quick look at, at why we do what we do, young people. Why should you grow up in the church and when you have the, the right to make your own decision as an adult, why should you want to come to church? Why should you desire to serve God? Why, you know, why should you want to play the drums or sing in the choir or whatever? Why? Matthew 5, 16 says this. 
Let your light, believer, let your light, Christian, so shine before men that they may see your good works. Period. Is that what your Bible says? If Matthew 5, 16 simply said that, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works, it would all be about gratification. Say that word with me. Gratification. In other words, I would be serving the Lord so that I might be seen, so that I might look in the mirror and feel proud of myself, so that my mama might say about me, boy, I got a lot to be proud of in you, boy. It's all about gratification. But that verse continues, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and that they might glorify our Father which is in heaven. You see, gratification is all about self. Glorification is all about the Savior. I want to bring glory to God when I sing to Him. It is about glorifying Him when I serve Him. It is about glorifying Him when I raise my children up. It is about glorifying Him. All that I do, I do to bring glory to the Father. Gratification or glorification. Say that word glorification with me. Good job. Good job. So what's it about? Let me, by way of introduction, I will be brief today. Let me give you four fallacies that confuse us. Four fallacies that confuse us. In other words, here are four wrong reasons for serving the Lord. I meet with young couples before they're married and, uh, and try to talk with them and encourage them and, and try to actually try to talk them out of getting married. I always do that. I try to talk them out of getting married because if I can, then I need to, right? But I'll say, why do you want to get married? Because we're in love. All right, what you going to do the second year? You know? I'm just kidding. You're still in love, but some of that, you know, mushy stuff kind of wears off just a little bit, right? I want to hear the real reasons why people want to get married, to build a life together, to grow together, to, because I can't imagine life without them, all of these kind of things. And if I were to ask you, why do you serve? Why do you attend? Why are you faithful? Why? Here are some reasons you might give. And these are fallacies that confuse us. These are the wrong reasons. Number one, to merit my own salvation, to merit salvation. In other words, well, I feel like I need to attend church and I need to serve God and I need to get involved and I need to give my time and I need to give my tithe because I want to go to heaven when I die. We do not serve to be saved. We do serve if we're saved, but we cannot merit or earn our salvation. I've already read from Ephesians 2. It is by grace that we are saved and not of our works. Now that does not let us off the hook. Say, oh, I don't have to serve God to go to heaven. Praise God, I'll quit. No. But we understand that we cannot serve him to earn our own salvation. Number two, sometimes people serve the Lord or attend church or come to worship or whatever it might be to mitigate their own soul. To mitigate their own soul. Now, what does that mean? It means it is a way of easing my guilt. I feel guilty. So I need to do something to somehow overcome that guilt. The Bible says this in Romans 10, 3. For they, being ignorant of God's own righteousness, and they go about to establish their own righteousness, but they've not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. In other words, we have tried to, to earn salvation. And then secondly, we've, had to, we've tried to ease our own conscience by, by coming to God in our own way. 
We're trying to bypass the cross. We're trying to subvert the cross. We're trying to ease the burden. I believe that every person is born with an innate desire to know God. You know, we hear people say, well, you know, everybody wants to be loved and everybody wants to be accepted. And that's why people join gangs. That's why some people join the church, whatever it might be. And sometimes people are just trying to ease their their burden. I've got to get this guilt off of me. So I'm going to do good things to try to overcome the bad things that I've done. Can you imagine? And and, and I've seen this before. Husbands that, that are not very good husbands. They might be abusive. They might be unfaithful, whatever it might be. And then they give gifts to their wife and say, well, look what I gave her. In other words, I'm going to give her some something good to make up for all the bad. And the fact is, sometimes we treat God that way. God, I'm going to try to do some good things because God, you know the bad things I'm doing kind of goes along with Melanie's testimony. I got to overcome on Sunday morning what I did on Saturday night. We're trying to mitigate our soul. Number three, sometimes people attend church or serve the Lord in order to manipulate the Savior. You can't fool God. You know that? You can't fool God. Try as you may, you cannot, but, but, but somehow we're determined. Sometimes our children pull the wool over our eyes. Do you know that? Boy, that makes you mad, don't it? You know, Tiffany always tells the kids, we know everything. We know everything. Wherever you go, we know. I love an iPhone. A few years ago, one of our teenagers lost their iPhone in New York on a mission trip, and we were able to locate that thing down to the very spot it was. That's pretty cool because the little locator find my phone. So if we call our children and say, where are you? And they tell us something that isn't exactly where they are. We know it because we can track their phone, right? And here's the deal. If you ever turn the tracking off on your phone, we will call the sheriff's department, the FBI, SWAT teams. I mean, you're going to be on, boy, right? The fact of the matter is you can't pull the wool over your parents' eyes, but you sure can't pull the wool over God's eyes. He is omniscient, I promise. But I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to go through all the motions. I'm going to act like other Christians. And somehow God's going to, he's going to accept my offering. Remember Cain and Abel brought two different offerings. They were both faithful offerings. They both cost them something, but only one offering was accepted by the Lord. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7, the Bible says this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth. That shall he also reap. God knows the true intent of why we do what we do. So sometimes we try to do all that we can to manipulate the Savior, but we can't fool God. Fourth thing, last thing. The fourth wrong reason. I like this. I thought this was kind of cute. Sometimes we serve to merit salvation, sometimes to mitigate our soul, sometimes to manipulate the Savior, and sometimes we just serve to marvel the saints. We just want to impress other Christians. We just want to to shine a little brighter than somebody else's bulb so we'll get our name printed in the paper or we'll be acknowledged or whatever it might be. I just want to serve God to impress other Christians. Right? God has such an amazing sense of humor. You know? Whenever we get too big for our britches, he almost always has a way of bringing us down. Almost always has a way of putting us in our place. I'll never forget a couple of years ago, I'd been elected to some office. And I was at the state convention. I think I might have been wearing this suit back when it fit a little bit looser. And uh, and I'd I'd gone to the men's room, you know, because you have to do that. And I'd come out. And I remember I was trying to look tall and all because everybody else, all the famous preachers are all tall. And I was walking around and I was thinking to myself... I bet these people know who I am. Isn't that cocky? Isn't that arrogant? You know? 
and I saw someone that, that knew me and they were making their way and they were trying to get to me quickly. And I thought, you know, they really want to see me because I, I'm kind of like somebody now. I mean, this is what's going on in your mind. And they finally get to you and you, you kind of give them one of those sidestep hugs. Hello, brother, how are you? He said, I'm fine, but your zipper's open. You know, God has a way of reminding you, you're not all that. And sometimes as the saints of God, we need to be reminded we're not all that. It's not about us. It's not about the glitz and glamour of ministry. It's not about being recognized, but it's all about him. So I've given you four things that are the wrong reasons. Now that that's out of the way, let me get very quickly to the point. Here are the right reasons for serving God. The right reasons for serving God. And notice there's a progression each week. Week one, I am a whosoever. Week two, I am to do whatsoever. And now week three, I am to do it whysoever. Okay? Here we go. Why do I worship? Why do I come to church? There's all kind of places you could be this morning. Why do I serve God? Why do I serve the church? Number one, I serve God in response to his love. 1 John 4, 19 says this. I love him. Because he first loved me. I want to serve him because I adore him. Because I love him. Because I look at the word of God. And over and over again. It is revealed to my wicked old soul that he loves me. And he who loves me so much deserves my service. Deserves my faithfulness. Deserves my worship. Deserves my adoration. So I'm going to serve him in response to his great love. Anybody ever done anything for you? Just because they loved you? Isn't that wonderful? And yes, I hear the, the squealing too. It's driving me crazy too. So everybody's looking at me. Like, what is that? It'll be all right. It's just the devil. All right. It's like, it's like foosball. All right. The most precious thing. And I hadn't even told Joe and Marie this. Y'all got one other person going with y'all to New York. Surprise. An amazing man. You know him well. Last night I had dinner with some folks after the funeral home. and Man... <laughs> got choked up and he said you know I really wanted to go on that first trip to New York but you know wasn't really going to be able to work it out his daughter had worked a job all summer long and made a little bit of money if you have teenagers they make a little bit of money right she read in the bulletin about the trip and she knew that her daddy wanted to go so she took her money that she had worked this summer and she gave it to her mom and said take this and put it on that trip for my daddy to go you know why she did that? Just because she loves her daddy. No other reason but then she loves her daddy. So when we think about serving the Lord, when we think about whatever it is that we do, we don't do it to impress God. We don't do it to appease God, but we do it to show Him how much we adore Him. By the way, if you do it for any other reason, I promise you it will be a short-lived ministry. Your name will be on the nominating committee form only one year because the next year you'll say, I'm not doing that again. Because unless you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength, unless you're serving Him and worshiping Him in your response to His love, any other reasons all for naught. Number one, we serve. Why? Because he first loved us, we love him. Number two, I also serve the Lord in regard to his law. 
Not only responding to his love, but in regard to his law. In, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul reminded Timothy, I love this passage. He said, Timothy, you were brought up right. Your mom and your grandma, Lois and Eunice, they brought you up right. I love those names. If ever we can relate to the word of God, it is in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I mean, there are probably people in this room that your grandma and your aunt and your people like that were named Eunice, right? And Lois, you know? How about Josephine, you know? Names like that, just regular old country names. And he said, Timothy, you were brought up right. And he said, Timothy, you need to remember your raise and remember the word of God that was instilled in you as a young man and faithfully follow the Lord according to his word. Why do I serve the Lord? Because the Bible tells me so. I did some study on that this week, and, and I just typed in and Googled because the Bible tells me so. And I read one after the other after the other after the other of atheists and, and agnostics and, and, and mean-spirited Christians and things saying, that's just not enough for me. I'm not going to do this or that just because a book tells me so. And I thought, how hypocritical. We live our entire life by rules. We live our entire life by regulations and by signs. I drive through Elizabethtown at 20 miles an hour because there's a sign that tells me to. When I get on an airplane ready to board and, and, and go over the, 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 uh, the big pond, I buckle my seatbelt. Why? Because a sign tells me to. And I want to serve God because the sign tells me to. It's good enough for me just to say I want to serve because God's word says so. Number two, I serve in regard to his law. Number three. I serve in relation to his lordship. I serve in relation to his lordship. Who is lord of my life? 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 15. The Bible says this. And that Christ died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died and rose again. He is not only my savior, but he is my lord. Listen, it is a package deal, Right? Sometimes I think about it and I've kind of picked on folks about, you know, getting married. And, but when you get married, if, if, a, if a young man, you know, is there with his fiance, and, and I said, man, why do you want to marry her? And, and he says, man, she's a great cook. You've never had cornbread till you've had her cornbread. I say amen and amen because I love me some cornbread. That's one of the reasons I married Tiffany. Really is. Or, man, I want to marry her because she looks so good. I want to marry her because, man, she keeps the house clean. Or I want to marry her because, man, you know, that job she's got, she's making big bucks, man. I want to marry her for all that I can get out of this relationship. Would that be right or wrong? Hmm? Somebody said, I, I wouldn't mind having me a sugar daddy or sugar mama, right? But of course that would be wrong. You say, what's wrong with you? How, how cynical can you be? How narcissistic can you be to think your relationship with your husband or wife is all about what you can get out of the deal? But beloved, many people today, when they think about their relationship with God, it's all about what they can get out of the deal. I want a relationship with Jesus so I can get eternity out of the deal, so I can get peace out of the deal, so I can get joy and contentment and on and on and on. It's what I can get out of the deal. Sure, I want him to be my savior. I want him to take my sins. I want him to clothe me with his righteousness. But wait a minute, when it comes to that Lord thing, I'm not so sure about that. Every time in the Bible that Jesus called someone and he said, follow me, it always cost them something. But ultimately, it cost them the reins of their life. The reins of their life. May I ask you today, who is Lord of your life? 
I serve in relation to his lordship. In other words, now get this, I know our time is gone, but don't, don't turn the station quite yet. Sometimes we want to serve God on our own terms. Here it is, Brother Ricky and our nominating committee, they send out surveys, and we don't put on that survey, what do you want to do this year? But it's what do you feel led to do? What are you inspired to do? What is God telling you to do? Because sometimes we look and we say, let me think. I'm going to pick a job that I would like. I'm going to pick a job that I think I'd be good at. I'm going to pick a job that I don't think would require a lot of time or or effort. I'm going to pick a job that will suit my schedule. I'm going to pick a job that I want to do. Well, see, that's not making him Lord of your life. That's asking him just to bless your life. We don't serve God on our own terms. There, there are times, you know, in my younger ministry, I'd think, you know, I'd like to be one of those traveling evangelists. You know, get me a bus, maybe travel all over the country, you know, and, and that would be so cool. And, and maybe I could learn to sing like C.D. Townsend. I love that dude. He can sing. You ought to Google him sometimes. Pull him up on, on YouTube. Man, he can sing. Man, I could be like one of these singing preachers, and I could go all over, and I could, I could wear my, my ring on my pinky, like, you know, and I could just be somebody. God didn't say, hey, you come up with, this, with, 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 with the plot. You come up with the plan. And then when you get it all figured out, let me know and I'll stamp my blessing on it. No, he says, you sign the bottom of the contract and trust me to fill out the details one step at a time. I can't imagine getting on a plane. A one-way ticket, can you imagine? Everything you're taking with you, packing a bag. And you go to Japan. They're going to be looking at her like, look at this tall girl. I'm thinking about going. I'd like to look down on people for a little while. No. I think that's pretty cool. Can I ask you something? Is he Lord of your life? Number four, and I'm done. I will serve the Lord in response to his love. Lord, I love you, and I just want to serve you. Lord, I serve you just because the Bible tells me so. Lord, I love you, and I want to serve you because you are the Lord of my life. And number four, and if there were no other reason... This is reason enough. I want to serve the Lord, and I will serve the Lord in order to rescue the lost. In order to rescue the lost. I'll paraphrase it for time's sake. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said this. To the Jew, I have become as a Jew. To the Greek, I have become as the Greek. To the weak, I have become weak. In our modern day, I love all the different ministries going on across the state, new churches. To the motorcyclist, I will be a biker. To a skateboarder, I will be a skater. To the cowboy, I'll be a cowboy. When I preach at a cowboy church, I have never been so out of place, y'all. It's not about compromising our standard. It's not about compromising the world or the word. But I am going to serve God and I am going to reach people because I am their connection between heaven and hell. And if I do not introduce them to Jesus and no one else does, they will spend an eternity separated from God. How about it this morning? Are you serving God? If so, why are you serving God? As I close, let me remind you of this one verse. Paul said this, Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified. Um, let, let me give you the direct translation of that in the Greek. I am continually, continually, continually crucified. 
My desires, my will, my wants, all that I am is continually being crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it is still life for me. Yet it is not I who is living through me, but Christ who is living in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we get to the point that everything that we are becomes crucified with Christ. And it's not about me and it's not about my desires and all of these things. And there's never been a chapter in the life of our church that we needed to know and understand this more. When we think about building a building, it's not about what kind of building I want or what kind of building the preacher wants or what kind. What would God have us do? Is he the Lord of our church? What, what will reach the most lost people? What will be the most effective tool of ministry for bringing people to Christ and discipling people in Christ and growing people in Christ? What is the most effective way of sowing the gospel and of sending missionaries? What can we do to be the most kingdom effective in our time on earth? How about it? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Father, thank you for the patience of these sweet people this morning and for the Lord, just the word of God that penetrates hearts and changes lives. And, and God, I pray for every person here that we have examined the why of what we do. And God, maybe we fall into that category of those fallacies that, that confuse us. And maybe we've been playing games and we've been serving in our own capacity and our own desires and, and our own wills. Maybe to earn your favor or to impress you or to impress others or whatever it might be. But God, I pray today that you'd just do business with us and we would be, Lord, face to face with our own motives, expose us before ourselves. And God, if there's anything within us that's prideful or arrogant or haughty, God, let us know that. Lord, let us see ourselves at the foot of the cross where nothing else matters but the gospel. God, we may never be asked to die for our faith like Christians in Syria are today. But this morning at Dublin First Baptist Church, you are asking us to live for our faith. And Lord, I pray you would find us faithful. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. Would you stand?